Let's pray. Lord God, we just say thank you for this morning, Lord. We ask that you would come uh, with your Holy Spirit power, that you would come and transform us, that you would speak through your word, Lord, that you would illuminate it, Lord, right now, that you would change us through it. We give you permission to do this, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. You're wondering... Uh, whose jersey I'm wearing? This is uh, my favorite quarterback. Well, maybe Nick Foles is now, but no, uh, we have Carson Wentz. This is my favorite uh, team, the Philadelphia Eagles. And whoo the boos only make me smile bigger. <laughs> so they were the underdogs, right, for this whole playoff run, even though they had the best record in the whole NFL. And, you know, they they did it. They pulled it off, you know. I've been an Eagles fan since I was a little kid, and we've had so many losing seasons. It was, like, amazing when they won, you know. Um, I remember when Tom Brady would drop back for that Hail Mary at the end of the game, and he just threw it up there, and I thought Gronk was going to catch it, and he missed it, and they were laying there, and Tom Brady was, you know, there's zeros on the clock, and we were up. I still couldn't believe we won it. I was on the couch, and Pastor Sonny was over at my house, and I was just looking at everyone like, did we win? Did, did it really happen? Did we win? And they're like, yeah, Eagles won. I was like, really? Are you sure? Did we win? And I was sitting there just soaking it all in, soaking it all in, and guess what? <laughs> I started crying. <laughs> I don't know what came over me. It just hit me. I was like, wow, you know, like, I can't believe it. Like, all, it, you know, you can YouTube all these videos. You'll see all these Eagles fans. They're all crying, like grown men weeping. <laughs> it's just amazing. And, you know, uh, I have a friend who's from Philadelphia, and he had a paper, bunch of papers sent back to him from his family. And so this is actually the Philadelphia Inquirer. And so it's like, yes, at last they won the Super Bowl. Woohoo! You know, I always wear my Eagles wings when they uh, play in the Super Bowl, just the Super Bowl, so I only got to wear them twice. <laughs> but anyway, it was like so amazing. I was so pumped up, and you know, I was just the, like, too big of a fan, too big of a fan. And it was such a fun season to watch. Um, there were actually a lot of Christians, I don't want to say God was, you know, wanted the Eagles to win. Well, maybe he did. <laughs> But, uh, you know, they're like Nick Foles, the quarterback who came in for Carson Wentz. He's actually studying to become a pastor and a bunch of the team. And they've had a really a great, great, um, like a revival on the team. And, you know, people getting baptized on the road in the hotel rooms and the pools. And it's been really fun to watch. So it's been a really cool season. So I say all this, and I better take this off because... <laughs> I'm going to make a transition now from fan to follower. Okay, now we're getting I don't know if I can get this off. <laughs> it's a little tight. All right, they said, they said go in the back and use this for a dressing room. So I'm going to, I'll be right back, okay? Hold on. <laughs> this is too funny. You know, it's been so much fun this past uh, season and just enjoyed watching those guys, the team play. And afterwards, you know, starting to sermon series, it's kind of made me think about it a little bit more. Like, where is my fandom, you know, with the team? And here I am. I'm showing so much emotion and heavily invested into it. 
And then compared to my relationship with Jesus, right? Have you been able to kind of look at what kind of things that you're really worshiping and really excited about in, in your life compared to your relationship with Jesus? You remember on Super Bowl Sunday, Super Sunday, when I had everyone stand up and awkwardly yell, Jesus, because they said, we're going to be cheering the Super Bowl, like standing up and cheering. We should actually cheer more for Jesus. And so I felt like that was kind of a, a reminder and almost a prophetic exercise for me to think, I really have to take inventory on where I'm putting all of my faith and my excitement, my time, my resources. So I want to be a bigger fan of Jesus than I am of the Eagles. And I think for all of us, that's what we're learning how, what to do in this campaign, how to be a true, a real follower of Jesus Christ. I thank God for his grace. You know, I am someone who is learning how to be a follower. I am somebody who is in process, you know, like a big sign on my head that says work in progress. You know, I'm learning how to do it as we all are. And God gives me so much grace upon grace. He gives me this open invitation. That's today's message title. An open invitation to follow him every day. Amen. That invitation is for all of us. Are you willing to open it? Are you willing to receive it this morning? You know, hopefully you've enjoyed the small groups. We still have about six weeks left. I would just highly encourage you to do that, to get into a small group. And we together are learning what does it mean to be a real follower of Jesus. And these small groups are a great opportunity. I have the crack hours in our group and we were just having so much fun talking about what does this really look like? What does it mean to be a true follower? So I'm going to answer two questions today for us. Who is invited to become a follower of Jesus? And what does a real follower look like? Yeah, like that was a great question we had. What does it really look like? So, you know, if you are a fan of football, and I'm sure uh, most of us here today are, you know, you always see this guy, the John 3.16 guy, right? He's, I don't know how he always gets good seats, but he's like in back of the goalposts, and he's always with this sign, and he's like, you know, shining, and every time to kick a field goal, he's like holding it up. And John 3.16 guy is, is pretty awesome. You know, he, he loves the Lord so much that he's willing to take a sign and look stupid, <laughs> to look foolish, why, why is he doing that? Anyone want to throw it out? Why do you think he does that? He's being a follower. Good. Yes, good. And what, what, is he, what is he trying to do? What's his goal? To tell others about the Lord, right? And John 3.16 is the perfect verse for that, right? John 3.16, they call that the gospel in a nutshell. Like if you want you only have a, a limited time, like a, on the TV, what was that? I'm going to Google that verse. Or who is John? <laughs> hey, and what is this 316 about? Right? But it's the gospel in a nutshell. For God so loved the, that he gave his one and only, that whoever believeth in shall not, but have eternal life. It's the gospel right there. And if you want somebody, you're trying to tell them about the Lord, trying to be a follower, then you're going to hold up the John 3.16 sign. That's such an awesome verse. 
Sometimes we hear it so much, we see this John 3.16, guys, like, okay, we got it already. You know, but you know what? I love the John 3.16 guy. He's communicating the gospel. He wants people to believe in Jesus. He knows that's the most important thing. You know, basically it says that God loves everyone. He loves us, the whole world. So he gave his son, his one and only son, Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins. Right? That's, that's what, how much he loves us. How do you get eternal life? You believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. And so how come we never see the guy in the stands, and not the John 3.16 guy, but we never see a guy holding up like Luke 9.23. Yeah, could you imagine the guy behind the goalpost next to the John 3.16 guy? Hey, what about this one? John, Luke 9.23, Luke 9.23. What is Luke 9.23 saying? That's going to be our scripture passage for today. If you have a Bible, you can take it out. Luke 9.23. Then he, Jesus, said to them all, If anyone, anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. Imagine that cross, right? Take up his cross daily and follow me. And follow me. So this might not be the best sign to hold up at a football game. Why not? Why not? Why wouldn't this sign be the best one to hold up? Somebody looking at, okay, I know the John 3.16. Now I'm going to Google the Luke 9.23. What's that? Oh, mm. what is he going to read? He's going to see, deny yourself. Like, you know, don't live for yourself. Take up your cross every day. That's basically saying, die to yourself every day. The cross is where Jesus died. He was murdered on the cross. Like, electric chair, form of execution. Take up your, mm, I don't know about this one, this Luke 9, 23, and follow me, follow Jesus. Be a little bit confusing. Do you see why the guy holds up the John three sixteen sign and not necessarily the Luke 9, 23? But you know what? These two go hand in hand, these two verses. The whole Bible works together, right? These two are like two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. There is no believing without following. First, you got to believe. So John 3.16 emphasizes believing, trusting in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And Luke 9.23 focuses on following. So in Luke 9.23, Jesus lays out his expectations for us. And I'm so happy he does this. He gives us the terms, what it looks like if you would like to follow him. Let me read it again. Then he, Jesus, said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So as we are learning to follow Jesus, we have to be willing to help. We have to internalize it first, but also to help others understand this. God loves them so much that he gave them Jesus. Gave us Jesus. He died for us. And that if you believe, put your faith and your trust in him as your Lord and Savior, then you're going to inherit eternal life. And that starts right now. So we got to get that. We got to communicate that to others. 
you're born again right there as you believe. You could Google John 3.16 at home. Really? Is that what the Bible says? I never heard that verse. And there's a lot of people out there never heard John 3.16 even once. They could read it, say, I just, I believe it's true. I believe that he did die for me. I'm going to put my faith, my life into his. And you know, from that very moment, the Holy Spirit has come and worked in their heart. He's begun a good work in them. Because we're saved not by our own righteousness, not by our own acts of faith, but by what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. That's it, the completed work. Isn't that awesome that we can be saved just by our simple faith and trusting in him and not ourselves? So that's where it starts. That's where the relationship starts. But that's, that can't be where it ends. That's just the start. Get it? Luke 9.23 is teaching us how to work out our faith, how to live out our faith, how to keep in step with Jesus. It's the other side of the coin. So you can write this in your notes. Who is invited to follow Jesus as we're learning how to be followers? Who is invited? Number one, anyone is welcome. Anyone is welcome. Not everybody knows this, right? They think, well, it's just for the people that go to church on Sundays, just for those people who are religious. But Jesus said, anyone is welcome. There's no catch. There's no fine print. Anyone means everyone. You know, God, he doesn't call the qualified, those who are perfect, those who have it all together. He qualifies the called. He works on us as he calls us to follow him. He says, yeah, you're a work in progress, Max. I'm going to take you anyway. Come on, follow me, and we'll work it out. You know, a lot of times we forget that Jesus, who he was, he was a rabbi, means teacher. He was somebody who would have students, and they were called disciples, or Talmud in Hebrew. And these Talmuds, they were, there was a, back in those days, for rabbis, in order to become somebody who was a, a learner or a student, a Talmud of someone, disciple of someone, you had to have very high qualifications in order to follow them. You had to be somebody who has like 4.0 GPA, 1,600 on your SAT. I don't know if they still do it like that. My cousin got a 1,600. He went to Harvard. His whole family is wearing all the Harvard stuff, and I'm wearing like the community college stuff. I'm like, oh, man, this is embarrassing at the family parties. So he was like, here, right? He was like, oh, the, the, the rabbis would have chosen him, right? And look at me, like, no thanks. And so, he, you know, they, these disciples, they would learn how to study the scriptures. In, in fact, a rabbi would come up to a Talmud, and they would, you know, say, like, um, can you recite the whole book of Leviticus? And they would be able to do it. You know, it sounds crazy, right? Recite a whole book of the Old Testament. That's what they studied, which was the Old Testament. You think that sounds impossible, Pastor Max? No way. I remember hearing a story from Pastor Wayne Cordero, New Hope, and he was talking about his mission trip to China. He went to China, and they said, Pastor Wayne, can you pray for us that we would become more like you guys in America? And he said, no way. 
I'm not praying that prayer. Well, he said, no way, I'm not praying that prayer. <laughs> I love Pastor Wayne. He has had a huge, huge, please don't put that, tape the next service. He said, I'm not praying that prayer. You know why? Because my prayer is that we would become more like you. You know, he was saying they don't have a lot of Bibles there. In fact, some villages don't have any Bibles in them. And guess what they do in the underground church? They memorize the entire Bible. They have to memorize books of the Bible and they help each other. And they're just working on, and that's all they have. They love the Lord so much. They're crying and weeping over the Bible when they get one. They, that's what it was in the Old Testament too. They, these guys knew their stuff. They knew the word of God. It was a high, high bar that they had to pass in order to become a disciple, in order to become a follower. Matthew 14. This is a story of how Jesus called his, the account of how he called his first followers. I love this. What does it look like to be called as a follower? As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Complete and total obedience. Boom, right there on the spot. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. If you can picture it, they're just working on their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately, boom, right away, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Moving to chapter 9 in Matthew, Jesus calls another disciple. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Just picture the scene. Matthew's there. He's sitting in the booth. I picture a lemonade stand kind of a thing on the side of the road. It's probably completely different. And Matthew's there in the hot, hot sun. And he's sweating and he's kind of downcast. And he's just looking bored, feeling sorry for his, himself. Thinking, what am I doing with my life? And all of a sudden, Jesus comes, sees Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, and he says, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. Boom, right away. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, so they go back to his house for dinner, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples, this ragtag bunch. Guess what happened? When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? He can't be doing that. He's supposed to be eating with people who are righteous, not these kinds of people, tax collectors, sinners. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous 
but sinners. So Pharisees are there, and they're thinking, what is he doing? You know, these guys are his disciples. These guys are his students that he chose, this rabbi, this awesome rabbi. What are these? These guys are a bunch of fishermen. And look, even a tax collector. And tax collectors had a special sinner status. They were looked upon as being cheats, as being traitors to their own people. They were working for the Roman government. They were collecting taxes for them. Sometimes they would collect more than they needed to and stuff their own pockets with and for their own personal gain. And so they were sinners, but then there's a special designation of sinner called tax collector. I don't know in this day and age if tax collector has moved out of that. <laughs> but we have to break that. Right? We just pay our taxes, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and God what is God's. We just paid our taxes, right? So we just have to do that in obedience and with joy. Well, here we are. We have Matthew. We have the fishermen that Jesus has called. And Jesus is hanging out with them. He seems to be enjoying himself with them. And you can just picture the Pharisees like, look at this guy's disciples. Wow. Yet, Jesus, these were the people that he invited, he called to follow him. When Jesus said anyone was welcome, he meant it. And the crowds, the people witnessing, started noticing as well. You can call those guys as, like anybody can be a disciple of Jesus. And for us as well. I know God, he's called a ragtag person like me, the chief of sinners, like me, to follow him. Praise the Lord. He's called you. And he calls anyone and everyone. Anyone is welcome. Anyone who's messed up, that's all of us, can follow Jesus. Anyone who's tried and tried and keeps failing and failing to follow Jesus, that's okay. You can keep following Jesus. Every single person, no matter what their past is like, no matter what your history what you said you were going to do, but you didn't, how you failed. Every single person. You have an addiction. That's okay. Anyone means everyone. You have something that you just can't get, let go of, unforgiveness. You know what? God is going to say, come on. We'll work on it along the way. Anyone is welcome. You know, for me, I was 19 years old when God called me. I was like, John 3.16, that's the stuff right there. That's the real stuff. I want to believe. Like, how do I remember asking my brother, okay, what do I have to do to believe? Like, I'm just, I'm ready. He said, come, let's pray. And he and my mom, we made a triangle, and we just prayed to receive Jesus for me. And I just prayed. My brother's pastor came right over to the house, pulled up, gave me his own personal Bible, this isn't it, but he just handed me his Bible. He's like, oh, Max, awesome, I heard the news. Here you go, here's, here's my Bible. Gave me his Bible. You know, I gave it away to somebody else who received the Lord, a youth in our church before, and it was like, you know, amazing what God has done. But I messed up along the way. You know, I was like, ah, I can't do it in my own strength. I'm trying to do this whole Christian thing, and I seem to be messing up and messing up. I'm trying to follow Jesus. I just don't know how. And I'm like putting the cart before the horse. I'm trying to live the right way. The harder I try, 
The further back I'd go, the more condemned I'd feel, and pretty soon I just gave up altogether. But when I was 22 years old, when I was at the, my low point, in my sin and in my filth and in my muck, Jesus never gave up on me. And he came and he said, you know, I'm going to lift you up out of this. Stop trying to do it on your own. And he carried me home. And ever since then, he's been carrying me. I've been just let the Lord carry me. That's how I'm following the Lord. I'm not trying to tell the Lord where to go. He's trying to tell me. And I can only follow in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, just like, same thing every day. Lord God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm powerless. And the Lord has helped me to follow him. He's given me that desire to want to follow him and the power to do so. Not anything I do is good. It's just like filthy rags before him. But you know what? The Lord still says, come on, Max, every day. Come on, let's go. And I just love it. It's just so much fun. It's this exciting adventure following the Lord. Still messing up. Not going to be perfect. Not going to be exactly like Jesus until I get to heaven. Hallelujah. That's going to be awesome. Right? But on my way, I'm a work in progress. I'm going up and down, up and down, up and down. But hopefully I'm looking more and more like Jesus every day. Who's invited to follow Jesus? Me. Wow, that's amazing. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Those people who make fun of Pastor Wayne, that's no good. Should never do that. I did the big no-no in Hawaii. Don't tell him. But still yet, God calls me to follow him. And he calls you. He's calling your neighbor. He's calling your friend at work. He's calling the people who say, I will never go to church. You know why, Pastor Max? Because I will burn up if I go in there. Somebody just told me that this week. I'm sick and tired of hearing that. I hate that. You know, because people really feel that. They don't want to come to church. We have to be able to take John, the message of the gospel to them and say, you know what? Share with them your testimony. Share with them what God has done in your life, that you're not perfect, but only because of Jesus, that he saved you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life and their life too. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, what does a follower of Jesus look like? What is... This is like where the rubber meets the road. What does it look like? Just tell me what it looks like. What do I do? Okay, number two, it's anyone, but it's everything. It's anyone, but it's everything. So when Jesus makes his invitation, he welcomes anyone who would follow him. But he makes it clear that if you're going to follow him, you have to be willing to give up everything. You have to be willing to give up everything. You know, when a disciple would be welcomed in to be a follower of a rabbi, he would follow him all around. He would uh, leave their home. You remember how the disciples left their nets, left their dad, left the tax booth? They left their job. They left whatever was holding them back to follow that rabbi. And literally, they would follow the rabbi wherever they went. So, go to the store. I'm going to the store with my rabbi and the crew of disciples. I'm going to, uh, you know, this is where we live. This is, we all live together, okay? They just, every, everything they did together, they would literally follow the rabbi around. 
If the rabbi was homeless like Jesus was, guess what? They're going to be homeless. If the rabbi is under persecution, guess what? They're going to be under persecution as well. And that's the invitation that God offers all of us as well. Now, does that sound like a lot of fun? No. It's anyone, but it's everything. Are you willing to give up everything to follow Jesus? That's what Jesus is offering us. That's the life he's offering us. You know, Jesus was the greatest teacher that ever lived, right? Awesome. Could you imagine to be chosen to follow Jesus? You are. You have been invited to follow the greatest teacher, the greatest rabbi that's ever lived. But in order to follow him, he said, you have to be willing to give up everything. Matthew 8, chapter 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then the teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And I could just imagine this teacher, right? He's like, oh man, I'm so excited. This oh Jesus thing, he's doing miracles. You know, I am seeing the crowds follow him. He comes up to him. He knows the word of God. And he says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied this. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Does this sound insensitive? Yes. And I think there's a lot of times throughout the New Testament, if you see the words in red, Jesus' words, where you're going to go, huh? Let the dead bury their own dead. I don't think that was an unreasonable request of somebody's dad just died. Jesus just wants to go home and help with the family stuff. But do you see how a lot of times Jesus is making a point and Jesus is trying to draw a huge distinction here. He's trying to say, yes, of course, there's so many other parts of the Bible talking about to love your family. And to be able to take care of your, honor your father and mother, right? All scripture works together. But Jesus is saying, yeah, of course your family is important. But I want to make a point to him and to people who are hearing, like Matthew who wrote this down. The point is, you have to put me first. You have to put me above everything. You have to put me beyond your mother and father and your children and your job and everything that you're consumed with. That's the point. Put me first. If you want to follow me, that's what you have to do. You have to give up everything else in order to be my follower. Remember the first guy? I'll follow you wherever you go. What did Jesus tell him? Oh, cool. Yeah, we needed you. We really, that's awesome. You have so many gifts. You're so talented. These other guys are idiots. Look at this. We have a real teacher here. No. He said, foxes have holes, dens, and birds have nests. But the Son of Man, I have no place to rest my head. Basically, he said, you want to follow me? I'm homeless. Come along. You want to give up everything? That's what it's going to look like. Luke 9, verse 23. Then Jesus 
said to them all, goes back to original scripture, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self, or forfeit their very soul? We have to be willing to give up everything. We got to be 100% in or not in at all. Remember, book of Revelation Rather be hot, Jesus, or cold. If you're right in the middle, lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I'm going to throw you up. Jesus would rather have us be all the way in or not in at all. Does it mean that we give up our homes? Does it mean we give up all of our money? Does it mean that we give up our families to follow him? Maybe. The answer is yes. The answer could be no. Maybe if the Lord calls us to give up anything, boom, right there on the spot. He's not going to call you to give up your, to not love your family, to disown your family. No, he's talking about you have to be willing to put everything that you have, everything that you are under him to follow him. You've got to be willing to give it all up, go all the way in, 100% or nothing at all. If you want to be a follower. If you want to be a follower. That's a hard teaching. This is a hard, hard teaching. You know, I can't do it. If you think, yeah, I'm all in, I'm going to do it. I'm pumped. No. None of us can. We just hold on. We say, Jesus I'm going to take inventory. I'm going to count the cost. I'm going to pray and say, yes, Lord. And when you're all in, you tell them. And you say, only by grace. Only by your Holy Spirit power. I can't do it, Lord. I want to follow you. I can't help me every day. And he will. And he's going to transform you and work on you. And pretty soon, the Philadelphia Eagle is not going to be nothing to you. Pretty soon, all the things are going to become very dim in the light of his glory and grace, right? You can trust Jesus. Anytime you've taken a step of faith in your life, think about it. Think about all those times that you've said, you know what, Jesus, I don't know if you're going to catch me, but I'm just sensing you want me to take a step of faith in this. I'm going to give up certain things. I'm going to give up my old way of living, some financial thing, maybe a job, maybe a relationship, Whatever it is, you take that step and you're right about to take a step off the cliff and he pushes you off the cliff and you go, what has happened every time? He's caught you. He's there. You can trust him for every single thing, every hard thing in your life. You can trust him all the way, 100%. God's never, ever going to let you down. So in conclusion... Are you ready? We can have the worship team come on up here. Are you willing to follow this rabbi, Jesus? He's calling anyone to follow him. But he's calling you to give up everything to do so. It's going to cost you 
everything. You know, the disciples, they paid it with their lives. That's what it cost them. It cost them their lives. All of them were killed, except for one. All of them were killed. And you know what? It cost Jesus his life. Calling on his life. Follow his heavenly father. It cost God everything. Think about that for a second. The heart of a father to lose his son. Not because of something that he did, but because of what we have done. He gave up his one and only son for us. That's how much he loves us. So Jesus, he doesn't say, follow me, it's going to cost you everything. Jesus, he showed it, he modeled it, he lived it. He paid with it, with his very life. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What has following Jesus cost you? Has it cost you anything? What are you willing to have it cost you? Are you willing to let it cost you everything? When you can trust Jesus with everything, you're going to find he's going to be right there, closer than ever, and you're going to walk following him into the life he's created you to live. Amen? Let's stand up and close. His invitation is open to you today. His invitation has your name on it. It's an open invitation for each one of us. Maybe some of us have never believed. Like, yes, John 316, that's good news to me. And maybe you're saying, you know what, I've messed up. I've tried to follow. Maybe I'm trying to do it in my own strength. I want to give up everything this morning. You can do that right here, right now, today, with God's help. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we hear you speaking to us, to your church, encouraging us, Lord, with love and joy. And we know that you're in this room and you're walking. We can't see you here right now, but Lord Jesus, we know that you're here. There's people here right now, they hear you speaking a word of encouragement to them right now. We know you didn't come to condemn us, but you came to convict us. Lord God, just continue to speak to us right now. You know in the book of Revelation, you say, the spirit and the bride say, come. Come. Come and follow me, Lord Jesus says. You can trust me. I know you're not going to be perfect. You're going to mess up. And I still love you. And I still have a plan for your life. And I still want you to be my 
student, I want you to be my disciple. Would you come and follow me? Now it's up to us to say yes, no. I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would fill our church, fill you with the boldness, with the transparency to say, yes, Lord Jesus, I will follow you. If somebody here has never trusted in you for the first time even, that they would say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me on the cross. I see it today. I receive your forgiveness. I thank you for your sacrifice. Help me to come and follow you for the rest of my life. Fill me with your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us all. In Jesus' name, amen.